Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, I'm Cynthia Lockery from Canada's podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen right here in BC. Today, I'm joined by Cordell Jacks, CEO, co-founder, and general partner at Regenerative Capital Group. He spent the majority of his career creating innovative social finance mechanisms for environmental and social impact. So welcome. Why don't we jump right in and you tell us a bit about yourself and your company? Thanks, Cynthia. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm based here on Vancouver Island up near Campbell River. I've been uh, out here for about four years. I'm a family man, a father of two. And uh, I've, I've been working on an interesting project the last couple of years. I have been supported by a business partner who came to me wanting to launch something in support of Canada's entrepreneurial ecosystem. The start of this project, we didn't know what that was, and we really did a scan of what's what's necessary to support Canada's emergent and somewhat healthy entrepreneurship ecosystem. And as we went on a discovery journey, we, we came to really look actually south of the border of us to what had been emerging the last number of years with an alternative entrepreneurial career path known as ETA or entrepreneurship through acquisition. So rather than going and starting up a risky startup, uh, which we have a beautiful ecosystem here in Canada of accelerators and incubators and funding for every stage of the journey, how might we look at the wider lens of what's happening in our macro economy, which is the silver tsunami or the baby boomer generation of small medium business holders who are looking to transition their business? And how might we prepare the next generation of entrepreneurs to acquire take over those businesses and evolve those businesses to meet the needs of our time, really looking at the community, social and environmental needs of what our economy is and what our civilization is asking for. Well, I think that's really interesting because you're right. There's so many people that are at that retirement stage and looking to to leave a legacy and and the entrepreneur spirit in Canada is very strong, especially since COVID. Yeah, there's we've we've got a, an amazingly supportive, enabling environment for entrepreneurship, and yet uh, we've got some pretty big challenges on our hand. Whether that's biosphere degradation, widespread mental health issues, climate change, any of these issues, and so really what we want to do is support this next generation of entrepreneurs and give them the best opportunity to tackle our biggest problems. And we think by buying good established businesses and and honoring the legacy of our forefathers and foremothers here who have really done that zero to one journey of starting businesses, really leading Main Street, our small, medium business economy, and taking those businesses forward and stewarding them towards these big issues. uh, That's the best platform that we can possibly give them to make meaningful impact, change, and and abundance, profitability as well. Yeah, and what a great way because it is, there's such a huge learning curve when you're starting to be blessed to jump in partway through where that a lot of that initial learning has happened and and change. Yeah, and that's that's really where the word regenerative comes in in, in regenerative capital group is how do we take good business, a good economy that we have, and again, of all that, what does it mean to ultimately take business 
and align it with the wider living systems and principles by which our economy and all value creation depend upon and, and really support that, really nourish and steward yeah, the environmental and the social communities in which our economy thrives from. So you're supporting entrepreneurs and you're an entrepreneur yourself. So where did you get the, what inspired you to, to take this journey versus, you know, taking a, a corporate job? Yeah, I've had a, a, a long, varied career in entrepreneurship. I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so it was talked about at the dinner table every day, every night. Uh, and that definitely, uh, definitely led to some of the inspiration. When I got to business school, I graduated from the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. Uh, I joined the business plan competitions and I, I got, you know, a taste of the excitement of what it means to take an idea and grow it and, and, and capitalize it. Uh, but I took the safe route out of business school and I went to work for what was at that time Canada's largest financial services institution. And there's a man who recruited me there and brought me into it. But very quickly getting into that corporate environment, I realized that was not for me. I, I, I needed something else. So I went on and spent my career in, in social impact, social finance, international development. And a lot of that time was really spent either funding and supporting entrepreneurs who I deeply respected doing innovative, impact-driven projects, or being an intrapreneur in some large organizations, particularly a large international NGO. And uh, throughout that time, there was always this drive of you know wanting to maybe some control freak nature. We're really wanting to drive and lead the change and be unencumbered from vision and aspiration and inspiration that would come. And so after a few more years of, of dabbling back here in Canada in circular economy and ag tech and, and some of the other great impact-driven for-profit private businesses, uh, ultimately it came to, to this organization, which we founded and launched just two years ago, which was Ultimately, how do we support, again, these entrepreneurs to give them the best foot forward to skip the 80% failure rate? We don't have time for this next generation to fail at that level. And so how do we ultimately remove it forward uh, in the best way possible? And so looking at your current work you do, is there any piece of information or knowledge that might be of interest to our listeners? Yeah, you know, first of all, I think when we look at the macro economy of Canada, we have to ask what's happening. Aside from poly crisis issues that we think business can be used as a force for good to try and solve, uh, we have to look at, again, uh, the majority of our economy is made up of the small, medium enterprise, small, medium businesses. With the, the silver tsunami, as they call it, with the retiring baby boomer generation, most of these baby boomers are retiring in the next 10 years most of whom, the vast majority of whom, do not have a succession plan, meaning a child or an heir apparent within the business who is ready to take over the business. They're looking to steward on their legacies, their babies, everything that they've created to a next generation who can take it forward. And so what we have here is actually the biggest inflection point of our generation, of any generation in the history of civilization. The vast majority of our economy is about to be turned over. The question is, is this changeover? going to be more business as usual. And, and what that usually looks like is businesses either being sold to corporations and amalgamated into a big system, businesses being sold to private equity companies, which oftentimes you know, strip employees, you know, do what they can to maximize profit, and then to flip again at a higher multiple. 
Oftentimes we have business owners who end up, you know, getting sick or taking care of someone in the family and don't have the time for what is on average a two-year window to prepare and sell a business. And so we have a real crisis on our hands in terms of what's going to happen to an economy as it changes over, but a real opportunity and how might we use this inflection point, this biggest succession of our economy towards evolving it towards the bigger issues and needs that we have. And so that's really the theory of change we're working in. How do we not only do this as a fund, but really support a wider enabling environment of Canada? How do we support a wider entrepreneurial ecosystem to take advantage of this opportunity and really grow it to its best purposes and uses? So if someone's listening today and we get this a lot, people are just, you know, want to put their foot in or they're trying to decide how do they make that switch to being an entrepreneur? Is there any advice that you'd give somebody starting on the journey? Yeah, first of all, you know, I think there's there's a big piece in, in wanting to just become an entrepreneur and ask what, what type of entrepreneur. There's lots of different forms of entrepreneurship here. Um, of course, we're, we're a little bit biased in saying there, with this opportunity, with the macroeconomic uh, transition here, this is one of the best ways to become an entrepreneur. So look at acquiring a good business. Look at um, essentially where I often uh, send people is to Stanford. So Stanford for the last 10 years has been putting out a biannual report on ETA, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and looking at the past 35 years of its history. And what does it look like to go out and look to acquire a business? What does it look like to grow that in different sectors, sectors and industries? That's all you know, publicly available on the website. And to really entertain, again, this alternative entrepreneurial career path in entrepreneurship through acquisition. That's great. Now, you're based in, we're both actually based on Vancouver Island. Um, what are some of the benefits of being a BC-based business? I mean, first and foremost, uh, I have to say personally, lifestyle-wise, there, there's no place like home here in British Columbia. Uh, a proud Winnipegger for 29 years, but after spending a decade in international development, my wife and I, having lived in tropical countries, had gone soft and said no more winters when we came back to Canada. And so, I mean, West Coast, Best Coast, we, we love it out here. We love the rain. We love the Pacific Northwest and just the quality of lifestyle. And I would say, you know, across BC, what I've really found is that people are here in large part because of the beauty, because of the nature. And we ultimately made the decision. We were in Vancouver for some time. When our daughter came along, uh, we knew that whatever this next generation needed, they needed to be in connection to the rhythms of nature. How do we get ourselves back in alignment? How do we get into integrity with the wider systems that support our health and flourishing? And, and how do we do that more connected to land and space and place? And so, uh, you know, we, we chose the unlikely place of Campbell River, but it is a growing, thriving, emerging, changing uh, economy and, and community here. And we just we love it. It's the greatest playground to be creative and ideative and, and have a good, balanced, healthy, playful lifestyle, which I think as entrepreneurs, anything we're going to be create, creating, we need to look at the source of, of what we're doing that from. And, and I think we need to do that in a good, balanced way, both in terms of the health of the ecosystem and, and our personal generative well-being. Yeah. And I would say as well for myself, if I ever have a blockage or have any challenge I'm working through, I just can walk out my door, go for a hike down the street. Um, hiking trails all around us. And it just really helps you clear your mind, be in the right headspace, 
and remember what's important. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. Since moving back to Canada and, and Vancouver is, is such a good hot spot of that, and we're kind of in the, in the middle between Vancouver, uh, the Sopal Enterprise community, which is just thriving and just brilliant there. We've got Hollyhock here on, on Cortez Island, which uh, really supports Social Venture Institute every year and, and hosts many different social impact uh, events and gatherings throughout the year. We've just got a thriving ecosystem of people who are looking to use business as a force for good, who are looking for purpose in their life, in their career. How do we use all the best of business and capitalism, that being ideation, innovation, entrepreneurship, all of this? How do we use the best of that and let go of some of the you know, inequality, some of the privatization, some of the just cards close to the chest? There's such a diverse and brilliant community across the province here that uh, you know, you are who you surround yourself with, and there's such a such a lively, uh, life centric community here. It's it's great. Love that you are who you surround yourself with. I'm going to make a note of that one. Now, what are some of the challenges of being based in BC? Because there's always the other side. <laughs> yeah, my my team is across Canada, and so I find myself up at five thirty in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, to make sure that I can get those meetings in before their end of base. Uh, that's not always such a bad thing, but when you have two young children, that can be a challenge some days. Uh, that's really the, the the biggest piece on this. We live in such a beautifully connected world. I you know have such a deep gratitude actually for Zoom lifestyle to be able to parent, to be able to be present uh, in this way. Uh, the only other challenges, you know, being on Vancouver Island is uh, a ferry or a, a puddle jumper flight uh, to get into to Vancouver, which is the gateway to to anywhere else we need to travel. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of positivity here. It definitely is. Now let's talk about success. How do you define success? But more importantly, how do you celebrate? Yeah, this is, uh, there's, there's two pieces to that question, which is how do you define success? And I, I think this is the core question we are asking ourselves uh, as a business community, as a civilization right now. You know, success has been largely driven from uh, in at least a business standpoint, from a shareholder primacy standpoint. What does it look like success being defined by financial success? And like any system that is very narrow in its lens, it's quite fragile. And so that's what we're seeing right now. The riskiest way to go forward is business as usual, defining yourself just based on financial success. Those companies that are most inspiring, that are showing most resilience, that are showing the most dynamic Interdependence and innovation are those that are defining success, not from a mono-capitalist financial standpoint, but from a multi-capital standpoint. What does abundance look like from yes, financial success, but from natural capital, from this, you know, supporting flourishing ecosystems around us, from social capital, communities that are vibrant, that are supported, that can ideate and innovate in the ways we need to. Intellectual capital. What does it look like from a multi-capital? approach that is more dynamic, more resilient, more evolutionary. Uh, and I think defining it that way, as well as, you know, the simplicity of defining is, is what's energizing? What here brings me joy? What ultimately brings life through me? And, and I, I've come to, to very much appreciate just a binary. Is this energizing or de-energizing? There's all things we have to do, taxes and accounting that aren't always uh, energizing, but there's a reframing of 
how does this activity ultimately energize, you know, my life force, my purpose, what I'm here to do, what is meaningful to me. And so uh, really celebrating that. The second part of your question is how do we have fun? How do we be playful and curious in our learning and our growth? How is that celebrated? How is that uh, everything we do re- reoriented towards that lens? And I, I think that's really what a life-centric approach is about. If we're going to reorganize our businesses, our organizations, our systems to be in alignment with the wider systems that we're nested in, um, these are systems of, of joy, of evolution, of celebration, of vitality, of interdependence, of diversity. You know, what does it mean to play and 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 explore in those ways? And so that's that's really core to to how, how I live every day, and and truly to the values of the organization that that we've that we're leading. And I love this question as the host because I interview entrepreneurs that that have small organizations to to much larger, and I've really seen a shift, especially since COVID, to how people answer that. Is it's much more, you know, success is picking up my child from school. I've heard um, some men say that. I've heard, and one of the female entrepreneurs I just interviewed said, success is being a role model for my daughter and showing her how how you can, you know, meet the needs of of women in health. And so I just love that we are more values-based about success than, like you said, capitalism-based. Yeah, I I, I think it's it's probably the most important question that we could be asking ourselves right now. You know, yes, we are facing the biggest challenges. It's the best of times and it is the worst of times. And yet I'm, I'm truly optimistic. I think we have all of the tools, all of the capabilities to solve these big existential issues and threats. And so if we go forward acting as if we can and can get to the other side of a lot of these issues, not that there's an end point, but in solving this and becoming a truly ecological civilization and becoming a truly flourishing civilization, how would we want that to be? And so ultimately, how do we embody that in whatever we create and however we interact in our relationality right now? Uh, we start to embody that now. We'll, we'll figure out the solutions to all of these big issues and uh, we'll get to that, that state and place of being. Absolutely. Now let's talk about fear and doubt because sometimes when we're the entrepreneur, it's on our shoulders. How do you deal with the fear and doubt that may creep in? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And uh, first of all, you, you can't get rid of it. I'm certain of that. You can you can never be fearless, but you can become more courageous. And so uh, I have fears every day that come up. And rather than uh, trying to dissociate from them or rather than trying to uh, avoid them, ultimately, I, I really take them as a strong cue. And so fears are, are such a strong energy, such a strong emotion. We, we get sensitized to them faster than most other emotions. And they're good signals. Oh, what why, What am I afraid about here? What needs to be explored? There's a lot of energy in this emotion. So how do I tap into that energy for its creative force? Where's the creative tension here that needs to be resolved? Because there's something on the other side of it. You know, as a parent of a, a five-year-old, she turned five yesterday, we talk about fear all the time. Fear of jumping off a diving board. Fear of going, you know, uh, doing something new. And uh, really leaning into, okay, what's there? What needs to be explored? Fear is healthy. This is a valid emotion. But what's behind that? And usually what's behind that is, is something pretty awesome. 
And so it's it's truly a reframing of, of how do we deal with this? Now, that's hard when you've got responsibilities and ensuring cash flow and making sure that everyone's going to be paid at the end of the month and all that. But I, I resolve to be in a state where uh, continuously as our fears come up as a team and as a wider ecosystem, it's the, that's the time to stop, check in, lean in and find out what needs to be expressed there, what's blocking something, because whenever we can do that, uh, something beautiful and innovative comes out of it. I love that of stop, check in and 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 figure out the block versus being afraid of the fear, mm-hmm. leaning into it. So um, where do you see your business in five years? What What's your hopes and aspirations? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. So we've just launched the business and, and we're, we're a bit of a cohort model. So every year we, we find five or six entrepreneurs. We support them to go out and search for good businesses, acquire those businesses, and then we buy those companies for them as they take it on an evolutionary journey to become regenerative businesses, to wider lenses uh, of value creation like we spoke about, a multi-capital and multi-stakeholder approach. We are a small fund. Uh, we want to grow that fund. We'd like to be able to you know, raise the capital and, and do more entrepreneurs and have regional-based uh, programs going. But ultimately, we're here to demonstrate a model. We're here to demonstrate that with this silver tsunami, with this ownership succession that's happening, there should be a hundred other funds like ours. And so ultimately, in five years' time, yeah, we'll have bought 25 or 30 companies for entrepreneurs. These entrepreneurs will have demonstrated not just models that are as good as traditional business or not as an additionality by looking at them through a regenerative lens, but ultimately they're going to demonstrate that these are far more abundant businesses, far more resilient businesses as well. And with that, we hope to be able to train other funds. We hope to be able to work with the Canadian government to say, what does it look like not to, you know, just see these see these businesses transition from one generation to another, but to create an enabling environment that incentivizes business owners to sell to those who are going to steward their legacy forward in a good way and for entrepreneurs to be able to you know borrow money to do that uh, to be able to work with organizations and wider ecosystems to be able to evolve these companies so we really see our fund as a little trim tab lever to wider systems change and i think i think there's only one work to be done now for all of us and that is how do we use business how do we use our life forces how do we use whatever we're doing again, to to deal with these big issues that we're faced with. How do we become an ecological civilization? And we can't do that alone. We don't have the answers to that. This is going to be an emergent field. And as we grow ecosystems of values aligned and like-minded people, we'll, we'll come up with the answers together. That, that sourced energy together has uh, the creative opportunities that we're looking for to, to deal with these big questions that none of us alone have the, the intelligence or the energy to tackle on ourselves. And I love that it really is about the collective versus just thinking one business or one organization can solve everything. And I think that's the shift we're seeing as well is much more collaboration, much more of a community-based approach versus thinking we have all the answers. Right, right. Well, we'll get there. Um, I'm, I'm certain of it. But, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, this is this is a, a big opportunity for uh, a reconciliatory act here in Canada. And I don't, don't just mean that from uh, a reconciliation and Indigenous relations uh, standpoint. Yes, and uh, what do all our relations look like? What is our relations to 
land, our place, our communities, our legacy cultures in this case that we'd be inheriting and looking at the legacy of the economy that we have here and, and truly transforming this into something beautiful. I love that. So to keep up your energy and to make sure that you're able to continue, are there any routines or anything that you put in place to help you um, stay grounded, to stay energized? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, uh, again, in this balance of of doing this, how we do this is more important than what we do. You know, trying to to be a balanced father, husband, community member, son, uh, relation to to those in in my world around me, and remembering what's what's truly important here and prioritizing those. And as well, you know, it really takes something which is uh, a question every day: What do I need to be resourced? To do this well? What do I need to be resourced to lead this organization, to grow ecosystems for this type of regenerative change? And, and resourced is the word, resourced. How do I connect back into source, to earth, to land, to nature? And as we talked about the, off the top of the hour here, you know, doing this in BC is a lovely way to do it, just getting outside, connecting, and why are we doing this? Why does it, why does it matter to be in integrity with the wider systems that you know, we, we, our economy depends on. And so I resource myself by grounding myself and just reminding myself of the bigger picture uh, of what I'm doing and, and carrying that into my screens and carrying that into my work day uh, just keeps me, keeps me with some perspective. Absolutely. I'm grateful that I stare out to a hundred acre forest. <laughs> So sometimes I have little visitors during the day of deer and occasionally a black bear that comes over to say hello. So um, so is there any, as we wrap up today, uh, is there any advice or anything you've read that's really resonated with you and helped you um, on your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, there's I've been on a, a very steep learning curve these last couple of years since launching this 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 fund and this company. Uh, the first was learning about entrepreneurship through acquisition, which I mentioned the resource, the Stanford studies uh, that are easily findable. Uh, the next piece was really learning about regenerative business. You know, what does it mean to look beyond sustainability, ESG, sustainable development goals? What does it mean to redesign our organizations, ourselves, our businesses in alignment with living systems. And, and that's been great. And, you know, a, a one book out there as well from a wider entrepreneurship lens that I've really enjoyed this past year, uh, which is called 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And I got to check his name. I think it's Jim Dethmer and, and company who, who wrote that, but uh, a very impressive book on ultimately, uh, how do we start with attitude? How do we look at our attitude as we go into any problem solving, into any collective work, uh, and, and, and check ourselves from where we're going to be creating, sourcing, solving from? And if I had to spend you know, an hour uh, on, a, on a problem, it's kind of that, that old Einstein quote, I'd spend 55 minutes on the, the question first and five minutes on the solution. I'd spend 55 minutes on my attitude. Where am I trying to solve this? Am I doing this from uh, a reactive standpoint? Am I doing this from a business as usual mindset? Am I doing this from an industrial way of solving? Or am I taking a regenerative approach? Am I taking a living systems approach? How might I evolve this? How might I do something different and emergent? And so uh, that's a great book to, to support you in, in, in leadership like that. 
I love that approach. So as we wrap up today, is there anything else you'd like to share with your our listeners or how they can find you? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. I, I really appreciate this this platform, this communication, and uh, this opportunity to, to chat about this. Uh, anyone can find me at our website, www.regenerativecapitalgroup.com. I'm most easily found on LinkedIn, Cordell Jacks. And, uh, you know, I think the, the last piece uh, I would share here is really for Canadian entrepreneurs and BC-based entrepreneurs, uh, we need you. Yeah, we, we really need those who are going from zero to one, taking seed ideas and innovating for an economy and a civilization that we really need at this point. And, and for other entrepreneurs who aren't quite sure they don't, or don't have that idea, um, there are alternative entrepreneurial career paths. And we'd love to hear from you if, if acquiring a good business is one of those paths that makes sense to you and, and love to chat about it. So uh, thank you for the question. Well, and thank you for joining us today. I look forward to checking out your website. All right. Thanks, Cynthia. Take care. Thank you.